What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Extra Points in NFL Podcast. Gabe here. How are you guys doing? Happy night before the night before Christmas. It's December 23rd, Friday. And for those of you, uh, kind of my local listeners, at least those in New York, maybe kind of surrounding here, it is brutal. Absolutely brutal outside. And of course, I'm talking about the weather. And it kind of feels like it is just about all the time in Buffalo and New York, especially just in general. But I don't know. I had to work since about five, six in the morning this morning to start off is just heavy pounding rain, stuff like that. And it, it was on the forecast. So I wasn't too worried, but maybe an hour into it, it just turned into straight snow and it's whipping winds right now. We have about, let's check my weather really quick. 48 mile an hour winds, snow in a hundred percent of the area. It's just brutal. It's whiteout conditions. It is, I don't know. It, it's one of the worst kind of little situations we've had in so long. If I'm being completely honest with you guys, and that's that's even with having on a right before Thanksgiving when I told you guys about getting like almost six feet of snow. So, yeah, pretty chaotic. But nonetheless, I mean, hey, we made it for, for those of you still in school. We're, we're there. We're at Christmas break. It's going to kick off. Obviously, we have today off. My siblings already had school called off as well. So it's a little bit of a madhouse in here. Uh, my, my father and I, we're just coming back from work as well. I just got back relatively recently and my father's coming back now. So hopefully he's safe out there. Hopefully you guys are all safe out there. For those of you guys all around the world may not have this weather. Lucky you guys. Welcome in. And kind of um, just before we get into any everything here, obviously I, I told you guys in the past episode that I uploaded yesterday that I just wanted to go over a couple of the key games and really big games uh, this weekend, obviously with Christmas weekend and stuff like that. And thankfully, it's not like last week. We actually have a couple of decent ones and things that have like really big playoff implications and stuff coming on. So I think that that's really cool. So we'll definitely dive into that stuff. But first and foremost, I wanted to give a big thank you to one of our sponsors over at Dubby Energy, which is an energy drink which you can mix at home. They sell shakers. They sell all sorts of different energy with caffeine. Great flavors can help keep you up all night if you want to play video games all night with your friends, something like that. Or take it as a pre-workout for something like that before you go to lift, go for a run, something like that. Or, hell, if you just need some caffeine in the morning to wake you up for your day at work, Dubby is perfect for that too. So, go ahead over to w.gg, www.w.gg.com and go and check their shop there. You can check them out on Instagram. And then also, make sure to check out my Instagram because you guys can get my promo code EXTRAPOINTS, all caps, E-X-T-R-A-P-O-I-N-T-S, for an extra 10% off every single one of your orders. So go ahead and check that out. All right, so to start off this episode, let's just kind of go through this list. You know, you guys, I want to touch on all the big games. Smaller games I might just bring up and kind of disregard, see if there's anything interesting going on there just for the fans. But first and foremost, I, I guess let's let's talk a little bit about the game that happened last night. Obviously, the Jaguars and Jets. And for the most part, I want to say that I was right. I, of course, I had a little bit of a little bit of a rant yesterday about uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, kind of where they're at in their careers. And man, th- this game just exemplified it once again. Trevor Lawrence, while he didn't look too great uh, through the air, he was 20 of 31, which I mean, hey, it's pretty accurate. Not too many yards, no touchdowns, but he had a touchdown on the ground running. And against a stingy Jets defense, I think they did pretty darn well. I mean, if you think about it, the Jets hold, held the Bills to 20 points as well. They held some other teams to relatively low point total. So seeing the Jags be able to at least go out and do something that's impressive. But the big thing for me was the defense of the Jaguars. Now, Zach Wilson, I know I touched on it yesterday, how it seems like he's just getting worse and worse and worse as the games go on. You know, 
he looked even worse yesterday. And it's just ridiculous. He finished before he was pulled, and I want to say maybe the third or fourth quarter. He was 9 of 18, which is 50%, not even 100 yards in a pick. Absolutely brutal. And not only this, with Mike White being out, and they didn't elevate Joe Flacco from what I can recall, they started Chris Strevler, a rookie. I, I can't even remember what round he was picked. Just absolutely brutal. This guy that not many people have really ever heard of. And just, yeah, it's not good for Zach Wilson. Then Chris Strebler came in, did honestly better than Zach Wilson did, if I'm being completely honest. He had a, he had a, just a couple yards less on a couple less attempts. He had a higher completion percentage. And then he also tacked on 54 carries on the ground. So, yeah, just, just not good. Not promising at all for Zach Wilson. And he came out after the game and said it himself. He had a ton of opportunities to make something happen, but he just wasn't able to. So. Is it the end of the road for Zach Wilson? It just might be. And like I said yesterday, if Zach Wilson cost the Jets the game, which he feels like he did, even though he didn't play all of it, then I think he's just about done in New York. And obviously the loss there caps off a four-game losing streak for the New York Jets. Not good. Really not looking good for him. And there's Thunder Roll in the background, guys. Hold on to your hats. But anyways, yeah, it's a big win for Jacksonville because now Jacksonville's up to seven and eight. So they're pretty much one away from the Titans. So if the Texans can pull off a win here or if the Cowboys win um, against the Titans next week and the Jags continue to win, it's going to be a divisional battle in week 18. But to kick off this Sunday's slate, well, Saturday's slate for Christmas Eve, let's get into the first game that I think has some implications, even though it might not be the greatest game. And that, of course, is the Buffalo Bills going to Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears. This is a big game for the Bills. Obviously, the Bears are still are already eliminated. They don't have anything they're playing for other than really roster spots for some of the fringe players. And to be fair, just about everyone on the Bears team is a fringe player. But Justin Fields, he has a lot to play for. He wants to go and continue to show out how good he has been and kind of his comeback story. He started off pretty slowly and sluggishly through the first part of the season. But I mean, this second part, like I said, I, I got to tip my cap to him. He's been playing very, very well this second half. So We'll have to see what he can do here against the Bills. The big thing here is really on the Bills side, like I said. If the Bills win this game against the Bears, they clinch the AFC East division. Now, just because they clinch their division with a victory here does not mean that they clinch the number one seed. However, obviously, if they lose to the Bengals or if they lose a game and, and Kansas City continues to win out, then Kansas City would get the one seed. So it's, it's it especially important for the Bills to maintain that one seed to keep winning. But this is just all, all the more so important because they need this one in order to secure their division. So I think the Bills are going to be really pulling out all the stops. They had to leave a little bit earlier um, than they wanted to. I believe they left last night. So they cut down on a day of practice just to make sure that they would get to Chicago without the fear of the inclement weather ruining anything that's going on right now. So honestly, it was a pretty good call by them. But yeah, the Bills are going to be coming out swinging. They really are, and they really need to for this game. And why? Because I think Justin Fields, yes, he's not the greatest through the air. I completely understand that. And I think that the Bills defense should be able to shut him down through the air with Trey White being back, Dane Jackson, Kyir Elam, even Xavier Rhodes, who's been coming up and playing relatively well from the practice squad occasionally. I think that that is going to be one of the main things here. But what Justin Fields can do on the ground as a runner, he has exactly 1,000 yards and eight more touchdowns on the ground. So if the Bills, and the Bills, I mean, we, we've seen it. We've, we've seen him get torn apart by Raheem Mostert the week prior. We've seen him get run all over by other teams that they've been playing. And their run defense just has not been good. It really hasn't. And so if you have a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields, one of, if not the best running quarterback in the league right now, yes, I know Lamar Jackson, but 
He's hurt and he's not playing well, so I'm going to take him out of it currently. Justin Fields, he's a threat. And while there might be nobody else on this Bears team that worries me, David Montgomery, I could care less. Darnell Mooney, I could care less. Every single one of you. I mean, who else do they have? Byron Pringle and Keel Harry? I don't care except for Justin Fields. That's going to be a big thing for the Bills to go against. Now, all in all, I do think that the Bills win this game just because, you know, kind of everything's on the line for them here. The division, maintaining the one seed, and really just, I don't know, their own, own morale, I guess, because this is what a lot of people would assume is a winnable game against a 3-11 and team. The Bills are 11-3. They have the inverse record of the Chicago Bears, so they should whoop this team. They're favored by eight on the road. That's a huge line. I don't know if for betting I would take that necessarily because the Bills haven't been able to put up too many points as of late. However, it's it's the Bears, especially with their O-line, I'm going to give, obviously I'm going to give the win to the Bills here. I promise that's not just me being a homer speaking. I'm going to give it to the Bills, and I think I'll take the spread as well. I'm going to say 30-21 to 21 here. Bills just barely cover, but that is something that I would not recommend betting on. Now, ne- next one on the slate is the Saints going to take on the Browns. This is another stay-away game for me. There's, there's not much that matters here. Deshaun Watson looks like crap. The Browns, they aren't mathematically eliminated, but we, don't, we, we can safely assume they're not going anywhere in the playoffs, in the postseason, or even making it. But if they want to continue to have a shot... This is a game that they need to win. Not much I really want to go over here. The Saints, they have a lot of injuries still. They're not a good offense. Andy Dalton's playing meh. Alvin Kamara, they just completely shunned him for some reason. And I have no idea why. Chris Olave, he's already been ruled out, if I'm not mistaken. So it doesn't really matter too much for me here. I I, I could care less how this game goes. I mean, I'll, I'll give it to I'll give it to the Cleveland Browns just because they are at home and I think they have the better roster overall. But once again, it's a game I don't really care for, and I would stay away from betting it as well. Now, another one that, like I said, there's not too many implications for this game except for one team, and that's the Texans traveling to take on the Titans. I spoke a little bit earlier. I touched on uh, Jacksonville and their kind of push to take over this division. Now that Ryan Tannehill's out for the season and Malik Willis is in line to start, this is a game that the Titans need to win against a relatively frisky Tennessee Titans team, or uh, Houston Texans team. Sorry about that, guys. And it's starting to get reflected, I think. I think the Texans are getting a little bit more respect in the media, especially now with Tannehill being out. Tennessee is only favored by three at home, which essentially, if you if you home field advantage is typically three points, so if you put them on a neutral field, uh, the analytics department is that they're all saying that this is relatively an even game. And I think that as long as they keep doing that wacky thing with kind of platooning Mills and um, uh, Jeff Driscoll, which is oddly enough working for them, they have decent running backs depth even outside of Damian Pierce, and they're still getting things going. So they're a frisky team, and they can make things happen. They really, really can against a Tennessee Titans team that really doesn't have anybody outside of Derrick Henry. I mean, we haven't seen Traylon Burks. He's still questionable. Robert Woods just hasn't been able to pick up the slack, even though he is the team's leading receiver. He only has just over 400 yards. So that'll be interesting. I'll still take the Titans to win this one, but it's a, it's another one that I'd stay away for just because of the kind of unknown in Malik Willis here. Now, a game that's pretty big. And one that I think is going kind of under the radar. And a lot of people are just going to chalk it up to a blowout. That, of course, is the Seahawks going on to take on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs should destroy the Seahawks. But then again, I thought that the Chiefs should have destroyed the Texans last week. And did they? No, not not at all. I mean, if you look into the box score and you see total yardage, first downs, time of possession, everything goes to the Chiefs. Chiefs had over 500 yards. Texans had under 300. 
they had almost double the amount of, of first downs as the Texans did. So how was that game so close? It turns out that when it comes down the road and it starts to get into the latter part of the games, it feels like Andy Reid is taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and not, not necessarily being stupid with it. I mean, he, I think he's just playing more conservatively. He's opting for more field goals rather than letting Patrick Mahomes try on a, on a fourth and two or a fourth and one, which I understand to an extent. But when you're in a little bit of a rut like they have been right now, I think that that's something that they really need to continue to work on and kind of get their guys rolling a little bit more. Now, the Seahawks, their defense has completely fallen off. I know that I touched on Tariq Wollin and being being nice, and it's cool to see him in the Pro Bowl. But outside of that, they've really fallen off. They really have. And they just have not been as star-studded as they have been in on the first part of the season. And along with that, the offense, offense has just been brutal. It really has. I mean, Geno Smith has definitely fallen back to earth. He still looks like a decent quarterback, and hell, he was even named to the Pro Bowl games. But... I mean, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, I love them. Kenneth Walker, he should be coming back, which is nice, but their offensive line is eh. The only thing that concerns me here is the Chiefs' defense. Now, the Chiefs do have a solid defense. They have Chris Jones, which is a good pass rush, but if you look at their injuries, they have a couple of people in this in the secondary that are questionable to return, and that is where their weakness is. Now, if you put in Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, some very fast, shifty, gadget-like players... With Geno Smith, who has, it looks like he inherited Russell Wilson's deep ball. He has a beautiful deep ball. I think that they can really start to abuse the Kansas City corners. So I think this game is going to be a bit closer than one would have thought. I don't think it's anywhere close to the 10-point spread that it is now. But at the same time, I can also see Patrick Mahomes putting up a boatload of points. A boatload of points going into this. So really my best bet here is obviously it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs to win, but if you were to bet for it, I would take the money line. And the over-under is currently sitting at 49.5. I would hammer the over on that. If you think about it, that's 25 points a team. That's three touchdowns and one or two field goals. Maybe another team gets four. So you know what I'm saying? And with a game like this that's poised to be a shootout, I would definitely hammer the over, but take the Chiefs' money line at minus 480, hammer the over at minus 110, you can get yourself some good value right there. Towards the end of this game, and maybe on our social media and stuff like that, I'll definitely post something going on about our, I guess, same game parlay. Kind of sort of sort of a little bet if you guys want to bet along with me like we have been doing for a decent amount of the season so far, just with a couple of my game picks. And like I've said, we've hit some pretty darn big ones, especially uh, last week when we had the Saturday games. We hit a nice little parlay there by taking money lines of the... Bills, the Vikings, and the Browns. So that was a good one there. Cashed out, made uh, about 40, 50 bucks, personally myself, just off of a little $5 bet there. So it's it's nice and cool. Definitely a good one there. You know, you know what I'm saying, guys? So if that's something that you guys are interested in, uh, 100%, just keep, keep letting me know. Keep letting me know what you guys are like and all that kind of stuff. But right now, like I said, for the best bet going into there, this is one of the first games of this week that I would take. Obviously, I would take the Chiefs minus 500 at the money line, which is just them to win the game outright. And then I would take over 49 and a half points at minus 110. Now, moving on to the next game here. This one is a sneaky good game. I really think so. And it's weird because it's between two of the most disappointing teams this season. Uh, well, not not maybe not disappointing, but underwhelming despite their records. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Of course, I'm talking about my second team, my Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants. Now, I know what you're saying. Gabe, how the hell are these teams disappointing? The Giants are 8-5-1, and, and everyone thought they would be bottom barrel. 
And then the Vikings are 11 and 3. How are they disappointing? Maybe disappointing isn't the proper word, but what I'm trying to say is I don't think that they're respected enough or they're kind of underwhelmed, I guess, so to speak, by the national media. A lot of people, you see everybody hating on the Vikings. Hell, they came back and won by down 33 points last week, and everyone's trying to take the negative stance by saying, wow, you must have sucked really bad to get down 33 points. Yes, they had a hellish, hellish first half last week. But what did they do? They came back and won. I don't give a damn if they were down 50 points if they come back and win. That just shows grit to me. Yes, you do need to make a ton of mistakes in order to be down by that much. But when you have the resistance, the grit, the passion, the fire, the work ethic to come back, that's incredible. And there's there's a bunch of stories coming about how Patrick Peterson or Kevin O'Connell went to the locker room and they weren't scared. They weren't cursing or anything. They just walked in and said, hey, guys, we need five touchdowns, you know. That's all. That's all it took for them. They knew what they had to do, and they went out and did it. So the Vikings, I think that they're a very good team. Their defense, like I said, that's kind of the cause for concern. Patrick Peterson, he's been hurt a couple of times. I don't know if he's um, going to play this game. I would assume he might just because it is a somewhat bigger game in the NFC, but we shall see. Now, on the Giants' side, they're definitely one of the more fraudulent teams here, definitely for sure. And by that, I'm not trying to kind kind of throw shade at them. It's just... You can only do so much with the talent they have. Can you name me five players on their team outside of their quarterback and their running back? I know I sure can't. I mean, you have Daniel Jones and you have Saquon Barkley and who the hell else? Look into their receivers. I mean, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton. Those are some guys. I know Isaiah Hodgins and stuff, but are any of those guys number ones? No. At best, they're like a number two, number three in Kenny Galladay. And outside of that, besides those kind of special skill position players, I cannot name a single person on that team. They're not good. They don't have talent. The only thing that's getting them by is Brian Dable's coaching. And I think he's doing very well. Now, do I think that Brian Dable will be able to coach a good enough game to get this lackluster offense doing anything against the Vikings at home for the Vikings? No, I do not think so, unfortunately for them. So I'm really really tempted to just lean here for the Vikings. Now, the spread isn't too much. It's all, it's it's minus four for the Vikings, which is them favored by four points, which makes me very cautious to bet them at that because the Vikings love to play one-score games. I believe just about every single game this season has been a one-score game. And at least if you check out their last five, obviously they won by three, lost by 10, but then won by five, won by seven, you know? So in here, I would definitely take the Vikings to win, but it's really going to come down to what we can see from this offense being consistent against a decent Giants defense here. Giants offense, I don't really care. I think that a meh offense will get canceled out by a mediocre defense any day. So I think that the Vikings have a clear advantage here, especially playing at home. Now, the implications that this has is if the Giants win this game, they're essentially a lock for the playoffs. I don't I don't think that it'll clinch them a playoff spot, but at 9-5-1, you're pretty much there in the NFC. Now, for the Vikings, what it's going to do is keep them jockeying for the number two seed and the highest seed possible. Right now at 11-3, they're kind of fighting there with the 49ers, with the Cowboys, teams like that for that number two or three seed up there. And if the Vikings were to drop this to 11-4, and four, I think that the 49ers and Cowboys both have very viable chances at winning this week, which could then put them ahead of the Minnesota Vikings. Cowboys obviously do have the tiebreaker over the Vikings, but the Cowboys would need to uh, beat the Eagles in the division outright in order to get there. So really they're fighting solely the 49ers, but I mean, the Cowboys, God forbid something is serious with Jalen Hurts and the Cowboys make a run. 
that as well. So give me the Vikings here. Once again, there's not too much that I really want to bet here, except the Minnesota Vikings money line at minus 200 if you guys are thinking about betting anything here. Now, the next game that we have, this one I am so excited to bet 100%. This one is going to be such an easy game, and at least in my opinion, it's going to be an easy one to analyze. And that, of course, is Cincinnati at New England. New England is only underdogs by three points. They're giving Cincinnati three points on the road against a horrendous Patriots team. I don't care what you say. The Patriots have not been good and have not looked good in four Ever. I cannot remember the last time that I looked at a game that they won and said, hey, they looked good. Against the Cardinals? No, absolutely not. I mean, Colt McCoy went Colt McCoy went in for a uh, Kyler Murray like not even too long into the game, and they looked terrible that whole time. I mean, they beat the Jets by seven. And other than that, they lost to Minnesota, lost to the Bills, lost to Las Vegas on the most embarrassing play I think I've ever seen in recent memory. Just brutal. It absolutely was. So... The the thing here is the Patriots are going to be playing for their lives. They really, really are, because if they lose this game, then they're, they're, there's really no chance for them to get in the playoffs. They'll drop to 7-8, and eight, similar to the Jets. And with their remaining schedule, playing the Dolphins and the Bills again, I don't think they're going to win either of those games. So then they'll definitely end with a losing record here. So they're going to be playing for their lives. But unfortunately for them, they're going to be playing the Bengals who have one of the most explosive offenses, if not the best offense in the league right now. They're averaging about 26 and a half points a game, which isn't like, I don't think that that's the most in the league by any margin, but they've really picked it up over the past couple of weeks. They've had just Joe Burrow's just been on a tear. Yes, he's had a couple interceptions here and there, but if you look at it all, I mean, T. Higgins has popped off. Jamar Chase has been back. Tyler Boyd even looks good. Joe Mixon's getting back in the swing of things. And with a high-powered offense like that, and their O-line starting to play better, if that neutralizes Matt Judon on the Patriots' side of things, I don't think the Patriots even have a chance to keep up with the Bengals. So, looking at this, obviously the Bengals want to win this game as much as they can because they want to get, um, they want to make sure that they have that, the uh, the division kind of on lock. You know what I'm saying? Because if they continue to win out and the Ravens continue to struggle or suffer or drop down even more, it'll just give them even more cushion to have a top four seed in the playoffs. So for this game, you guys know that I already said it. I will take the Bengals minus three every day of the week. And now also with a weaker Cincinnati Bengals um, defense, I, the, the over at 41 and a half is looking very intriguing to me. Now, I know that a lot of people are saying or questioning the Patriots' ability to move the ball, and I completely get that, but I think the Bengals will be able to put up at least 28 points by themselves. So if you think that the Patriots would need to spot 13 points here around there, I think I'm willing to take that bet. I would put the over at minus 110 along with the Bengals favored by minus 3 at 110 as well. Now, Moving on, we have the Lions going down to take the pan- take on the Panthers. Have a little cat bowl going on here, you know. This one is surprisingly full of playoff implications. The Panthers, God, it's just ridiculous that I'm even saying this, but the Panthers are currently fighting for their division. They're only one game out of it down on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we all know, they've looked like absolute hot garbage. They have not been playing well whatsoever in... I mean, they might have a free win this week playing against the Cardinals, which we'll get on to get into a little bit later, but the Panthers are still fighting for something, and they've they've won a little bit too many games to be considered full-on tanking, so 
with a strong defense and a decent offense at this point, I mean, operating under Sam Darnold, I think it's not looking as, as pitiful as it had early on in the year. So they can make a move here. They really can. Their defense is playing well. Their offense is struggling a little bit, but Detroit's defense, they haven't been that great throughout the season. And if you look at their last five games, uh, outside of the Jets game, which they played pretty well against a horrendous Zach Wilson, they let up thir- they let up 23 points. They let up another 14. They let up 28. They let up 18. I mean, they're letting up a decent amount of points per game. You know, so I think that the Panthers might be able to capitalize in on this, along with a strong run game, which they're allowing a lot of yards on the ground. The Lions are over 100 per game. So Panthers definitely have a chance here. But Shifting over to the Lions side of things, Jared Goff is playing incredibly. Like I said, I think he could have been in the Pro Bowl over Geno Smith. Just at the rate that he's been playing, really has a lot more command of the offense. I feel like I feel like he's looked a lot better over the past couple of games, especially, I mean, 23 touchdowns, 7 picks, and then you have a great run game with Jamal Williams having 14 touchdowns on the ground, almost 1,000 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown's absolutely killing things as well. I think their defense is starting to step up, even though they are probably the weaker part of the team. I think that the defense just struggles with consistency, whereas the offense, you kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to get a decent amount of points. And if you look at them over the past couple of weeks, they put up 20 points. They put up 34. They put up 40. Put up 25 against a good Bills defense. They put up 31 against the Giants. I think their offense is really starting to fire on all cylinders, and I really do like that. And the weird thing here for me is that the according to the analytics and stuff, the Panthers are given a 60% chance or so to win this game outright with the spread being Detroit favored by minus two and a half. So that's a little weird to me. But with all that being said, I know that they struggled against the Jets last week who have a solid defense. I think that the Lions win this one. And I think that they win it because they're playing so well. They're riding like a six or seven game win streak, maybe six game right now. One of the longest in the NFL in, in or they're fighting for a playoff spot right now. They really are. They're fighting with Seattle, who if Seattle loses this week to the Chiefs, which, like I said, probably will happen, that can put them up and over the edge there. If the Commanders lose this week when they're facing the 49ers, which very viable, not to spoil anything that I'm getting into ahead, but pretty much what I'm trying to say is they have a very, very good shot at making the playoffs still if they continue to win. So I think Dan Campbell's going to going to kind of make them rowdy, get them, get them all riled up and Super excited to play for this game against a good Panthers defense. I can see Jared Goff making mistakes, but I definitely will take the Lions here. I think that that is a clear, clear kind of kind of window for the Lions to come out and win this game. Now, betting-wise, I don't know because, like I said, the line is, is interesting with the Lions favored by 2.5, which makes me want to take that. The only thing that I'm cautious on is the over and unders, you know, being set at 43. Because I think the Lions can put up points, but the Panthers have a good defense. And then I don't know if the Panthers will put up points against a good Detroit Lions defense. So that's kind of a stay away here for me. And after last week, I don't know, man. I think I'm just leaning more to take the Lions here. I don't know so much about the spread, but... Ah, yikes, this is a hard one here. I would definitely take the Detroit Lions money line in this game because it's a little bit closer. It's minus 145 for the money line as opposed to minus 120 for the two and a half point spread. So I would definitely lean here taking the money line. Now, next game and the last one that we're going to cover that is in the 1 p.m. slate on Saturday is the Bird Bowl. We just had the Cat Bowl. Here's a Bird Bowl. We have the Falcons going on to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Once again, without Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has been ruled out, I believe, as of yesterday. So it's going to be either Tyler Huntley or, uh, I believe, yikes, who's their 
Austin Johnson or Antonio Johnson or something like that that they have as their third string guy, which definitely scary, especially if you're a Ravens fan, because Tyler Huntley, I believe he's still working through a little bit of a concussion thing or con- concussion protocol. So it's going to be it's going to be scary for the Ravens. And we saw them last week looking or going against the Cleveland Browns, who don't have that great of a defense, and they looked horrendous. Now, I'm not trying to kind of blow smoke in the face of the Falcons fans saying like, oh, you guys have a great defense either. But I certainly think that the Falcons defense is at least comparable to the Cleveland Browns. And with that being said, the Ravens could only put up three points. And if you look over their past like five games or so, they've eclipsed like 13, 14, 15 points once. When they when they when they lost to the Jaguars by, by um, twenty eight to twenty seven, and that's when they had Lamar Jackson. So with Tyler Huntley, they put up sixteen against the Steelers, and their offense didn't even do all the work in that. <laughs> Ten against the against the Broncos, three against the Browns, and then if you go back a couple of weeks, they only put up thirteen against Carolina. So. I'm not sure. I don't feel confident in the Ravens team whatsoever right now. They don't have any wide receivers. I, I I don't like it whatsoever. But at the same time, you go and flip over to the Falcons, and they're kind of in the same spot. Desmond Ritter, while he didn't have the worst game in the world last week, he, he wasn't anything better than meh. So with a little bit of a QB question in here, and then really a team question in general, because they, the Falcons themselves don't have too many decent receivers or anybody like that, it's interesting. Now, they're facing a little bit worse of a defense in the Ravens, a little bit of a step down from the Saints that they played last week. So I can see the run game with Tyler Algier kind of, you know, really breaking out here and seeing something happen, which is why the Falcons, they're, they're underdogs by almost a whole touchdown. The Ravens are favored by six and a half points. I don't like that whatsoever. So betting purposes, there's not much on the, on the line for playoffs outside of the Ravens here, the Falcons, yes, they're still quote unquote in contention for their division, but I just don't think that that's reasonable with how terrible their team has been playing these past couple of weeks. So I'm not going to talk much on them. The Ravens, yes, I guess they're still kind of fighting for that uh, number, like the first place spot in their division, especially when Lamar Jackson comes back. And then outside of that for the wild card thing. So this is going to be a big game for the Ravens, but six and a half points laying almost a whole touchdown to them, to a team that might even be on a third string quarterback. Yikes. I, I don't like that one whatsoever. So I'm definitely going to take, at least for betting purposes, going to take the Falcons plus the six and a half here to cover that pretty pretty comfortably, in my opinion. And then looking at the over-under, it's at 35. So if I take the Falcons to cover that, that means that it will be a little bit of a closer game than normal. I think that under 35 is a relatively good bet. But for the sake of it now, I think I'm just going to leave it there. Now, so with that being said... That is all the games for the 1 p.m. slate, so I'll read off a quick, I guess we'll make this the Extra Points Podcast 1 p.m. parlay of the week here, and like I said, I I prefer to kind of, if if I am going to bet something, I prefer to station them as according to blocks for the most part, especially if it's a parlay or something like that, because the last thing that you want to have happen is, I don't know, say you bet on three or four things early on, like you bet on four or five teams to cover a certain spread and they all hit in the 1 p.m. slate and then you have an opportunity to cash out and then maybe you have something in the afternoon slate or something like that 
in the late night slate and you kind of don't or something or you, you don't you don't cash out you want to ride it out and then you end up losing everything i like to keep them grouped and it also helps because i don't know say that you bet on mainly the night game but then one 1 p.m game and then that 1 p.m game doesn't hit and the rest of the night's wasted so you kind of lose your picks there if that makes any sense here i just prefer to group my picks at least that's what what one of my buddies really started talking to me about sports gambling and stuff uh, recommended. And so it's something that I've done ever since. So here's a quick eight leg parlay, but on things that I think are relatively uh, achievable or something like that. And it comes out to being plus 4,925, which you bet a hundred bucks, you profit 4,925, which is incredible. But for myself, I only bet about $15 a week and I'll do three $5 bets, something small like that. Typically I'll do one kind of larger bet, something like that. Maybe I call them a Hail Mary. I'll do one sort of Hail Mary thing where it's maybe like a minus like 50,000 odds for something like I'll parlay some win margins or something like that. If that's something that you guys do, it's incredible, at least for parlay odds. If you can hit on three to four win margins in a row, you can get ridiculous, ridiculously high odds. So just looking through them now, like if you take the bills to win by seven to 12, and then on top of that, you add the, the Bengals winning by 7 to 12, the Chiefs winning by 7 to 12, and let's say the Lions to win by 1 to 6. The odds come out to plus 137,555. So if you put $5 down on that, you profit 6,800 bucks, which is just ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I call a little bit of a Hail Mary bet, something like that. So I typically do one of those, then I do one of a parlay like what I'm mentioning now, which is really reasonable. And then I do one bet that is essentially my locks of the week, if that makes sense. So that'll be games across all platforms that I just know are going to hit. And if you guys have been following along with my pickums, my lock of the week record is actually substantially, it's, it's, it's almost perfect. We're 30 and three for my locks of the week. And then I'll typically do a couple of locks. So if I spend $15 in one week, on gambling. I'll bet five and then I'll get like three or four locks like this week and do a couple until I profit 20 bucks. So even if my Hail Mary and my other one fail, I'm still profiting three to four dollars and it's essentially a wash in the week with a little bit of gain, if that makes sense. So for the quick eight leg parlay here that I think is relatively manageable and not too much of a long shot, I'm putting five dollars on it myself and it will pay out $251.26 if you were to do it now. That's the Chiefs money line saying they're the outright winner. The Chiefs and Seahawks game going over 49 and a half points. The Vikings being the outright outright winner against the Giants. The Bengals covering the spread and against the Patriots, as well as the over at 41 and a half, the Lions as an outright winner, the Bills as an outright winner, and the Atlanta Falcons covering the six and a half point spread. So that's definitely one of them. But with that being said, let's get into the second part, kind of the later window of games here. And of course, I'm going to start talking about the commanders going on to take on the San Francisco 49ers. This is an NFC playoff uh, matchup, potentially. It's something that could take it, take place down the line, depending on what seed the 49ers get and if the Washington Commanders even get in in the first place. Like, if it ends up with the 49ers as the two seed and somehow the uh, Commanders decide to sneak in as a seven seed, this could be another rematch. But really what I'm looking at here is the 49ers defense. 
And that's, that's really the whole story to me. I mean, I think that the 49ers have the best defense in the league. They've been playing incredibly as of late, and that's with injuries. They're only allowing 15 points per game. And yes, they allow a, a, a decent amount of yards per game. Mainly, that's all coming in garbage time. And, and if you look over the past five weeks or so, they completely shut down Arizona, holding them to 10. They shut out New Orleans. They held Miami to 17, and some of that was garbage time. They shut. They pretty much shut out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers until they got a garbage time seven in there. Seattle only put up 13. I mean, w- when you're shutting down offenses like Seattle, who's relatively explosive, Tampa, who has, they have talent while they're not explosive, the Dolphins, and I, I just don't know what the Washington Commanders would be able to do in this situation. Yes, Heineke's been playing all right. I mean, yes, they're coming off of a bit of a heartbreaking loss and kind of a controversial loss to the Giants last week, obviously, with the whole Terry McLaurin ordeal. But outside of that and the tie that they had against the Giants last week, they're riding a little bit of a, of a win streak. Outside of that, and Heineke's been playing very well ever since coming in, making his first start against the Eagles. Beating the Eagles, beating the Texans, beating the Falcons, tying the Giants, and then barely losing the Giants once again. So they're not going to be a pushover here. But with the 49ers, like I said, fighting for a higher seeding, they've already clinched their division uh, to this point. But obviously, they're just hoping that the Vikings start to lose a little bit so they can move up, get the two seed, and face an even worse a wildcard team, potentially as the Commanders. I think the 49ers are going to absolutely steamroll the Commanders, which the the 49ers are favored by six and a half points. Even with Brock Purdy, my God. I, I think the, the 49ers defense will be able to score maybe off a of pick six or a fumble recovery or even a special teams touchdown and get the seven alone from their defense. Give me the 49ers here all day long. And for betting, if that's another thing that you guys are interested in, I'll definitely start a little bit of a parlay for a late afternoon slate for you guys. That's something that we can definitely get going as well. 100%, I will take the 49ers minus six and a half all day, essentially with that by saying that they'll win the, they'll win by a touchdown. So 100%. Now, on the next game that we have coming up, this one I think will be absolutely incredible, even though Jalen Hurts is hurt, Jalen's hurt, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. Now, after Hertz has been ruled out, which he has already, it is set in stone that Gardner Minshew, a freaking boy, the mustache king, whatever you want to call him, he is going to be starting. Dallas is now favored by four and a half points. Dallas is at home with a great defense and a decent offense that is seemingly catching a little bit of fire. Yes, they had a really, really tough loss against the Jaguars this last week. Uh, Dak Prescott throwing pretty much throwing the game away in overtime. It's, it's going to be interesting here because I think that for, for playoff position, obviously this does mean a little bit, but if the Cowboys were to win, then they'd be 11 and four and the Cow and the Eagles would still be 13 and two. So then the Eagles would essentially need to lose out and the Cowboys win out in order to clinch the division. So I think the Eagles really have it either way. And they're giving Jalen Hurts just time to, you know, kind of take, take a, take a little bit of a rest here, especially before the playoffs, give them a little bit of a bye week, but The Cowboys, I think this game means a lot to them because they want to secure the fifth seed because if they have the fifth seed, that means that they are going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I think they would wipe the floor with in the divisional round. And if it's not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then you get someone else from the NFC South. I mean, if you don't get the Buccaneers, then you get the Saints, you'll destroy them. You get the Falcons, you'll destroy them. You get the Panthers, you'll destroy them. I think the fifth seed in the NFC is probably the best case scenario for any team in the playoff hunt right now, maybe even the one seeds. Because if you think about it, a lot of teams are scared of getting the one seed because at least some fan bases are because they're saying like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want my team to come out stagnant or anything like that. I don't want them because 
over the past couple of seasons, we've seen the one season that teams on bye weeks lose pretty early on in the playoffs. So, yeah, this will be definitely an interesting game. But with Jalen Hurts out and stuff like that, I, I don't know. I think that this game is really going to show us really who the MVP is. Because even though Jalen Hurts isn't playing, if Gardner Minshew goes out and just puts a beat down on the Cowboys, then I think you can start to attribute Jalen Hurts' success to the Eagles team as a whole. If some backup quarterback, even though I think Gardner Minshew should be a starter somewhere in the league, I think he'd, he's better than like a lot of the quarterbacks. He could start in New York. He could start in, well, for both New York teams, he could start for the Commanders. Uh, anyways, I don't want to get into too much of that. But if, if Garner Minshew comes out and looks incredible, then I think that that really hurts Jalen Hurts a lot, and especially his MVP chances, and I think that that's when we'll start to flip over to Mahomes. However, if the Eagles look pitiful and cannot just move the ball whatsoever, I think it makes it, it kind of emphasizes how important Jalen Hurts is to this Eagles team and can really start to solidify his case for MVP, provided he doesn't miss any more time. So in this game, Dallas favored by minus four and a half. I don't know, just because I think Garner Minshew is just a complete wild card along with how the Eagles defense is going to play. So this is a game that I'm definitely going to stay away from when it comes to betting or anything of the sort. But I think in this case, I'm going to take Dallas. So yeah, Eagles fans don't hate me, but I think you got to have another loss come somewhere. And honestly, like I said, if you lose this, I think you can pretty much stamp it home, mail it home, whatever you want to call it, that Jalen Hurts is the league MVP this season. Now, Finally, our Saturday night game, we're going to have the Raiders going to take on the Steelers. What a crap fest. There's really not much to go over in this game. Both teams are essentially out of the playoffs. Really nothing going on here that I want, even want to touch on. So I'm just going to say the Steelers are favored by two and a half. I don't care. This is a complete stay away from me. So I'll say that the Steelers win this one just because I think they have the better defense. Give me the Steelers, like low scoring, relatively crappy game here. I don't know, 14 to 10, <laughs> something like that. I, I don't think it's going to be a good one whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, kind of going back, just if there's anything here for the betting purposes or any of you that, that kind of want my opinion on these things, looking at the Eagles and Cowboys, I would take the under 46 and a half potentially because depending on how, I don't know, it's, it's kind of hit or miss. If Gardner Minshew looks good, then I could see the overhitting easily. But if if, uh, you know, Garner Mitchell isn't doing too hot, I think it's two good defenses going up against one another. So I can definitely see the under hitting as well. So I'm, that's kind of a stay away from me, but that's just how I'd think. And then for Steelers Raiders over under 38, I'd take the under all day. I don't think either team's going to be able to move the ball really well. So getting on to our Christmas day games, we have the Green Bay Packers going into Miami to take on the Dolphins at 1 p.m. What a good game. I, th I really think it will. Now, the Packers aren't that great of a team, and the Dolphins have dropped a couple, but here I really do think that the Packers are going to be playing with all that they have because they're still alive. Aaron Rodgers said it himself, and it seems like Aaron Rodgers is a little bit more energized and like really ready to ready to play or make something happen here. You know what I'm saying, you guys? So I think that Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to be playing his heart out here to try and make it to the playoffs. It's kind of their last-ditch attempt here. If they lose, they're out. So Dolphins... Once again, they're they're fighting for their playoff lives now. Playoffs are not a given for an eight and six football team, even though they do have a relatively easy schedule. So this is a big win at home for them against not a great team. So where do I think that things are going to go here? 
I think that Tua should be able to kind of have his way along with the offense, Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill. I think they should have their way with the Packers defense, so I can see him scoring a ton. And I just don't see the Packers really being able to do much of anything unless if they continue to play like they did against the Rams, where it was just essentially ball control, kind of doing their own thing. And like I said, the Rams... They, they face the Rams on Monday night football, so they're on a little bit of a short week as opposed to Miami, who's coming back from Buffalo uh, after playing that um, Saturday game. So they have a little bit of an extended break here. Uh, essentially, they do have just a normal week, but the Packers are on about five days here. So Miami having all the rest and the Packers just not being a great team in general, that's one game that I feel pretty darn confident with saying that I think the Miami Dolphins will be able to win this game. There's a spread of three and a half. I think I'll take the Miami Dolphins over that any day of the week. So for best bets for me, definitely uh, Miami Dolphins minus three and a half, minus three and a half. And now the other crazy thing is the over under now is set at 50, 50 points. That's a ton. That really is. They're assuming that this game is going to be some sort of shootout, which I just can't see because I don't think the Packers have that good of an offense to engage in a shootout. And I mean, we saw it against the Rams. Yes, they're playing a little bit more ball control. But for me here, if you had to go anything, I would take the under 50 in a heartbeat. Now, the next game that we have, not going to spend too much time on this. This is the kind of midday 4.30 p.m. slate game. We have the Broncos and the Rams. I mean, going into the season, we're like, wow, this is this is incredible. This could be a battle between two 10 and four or so teams struggling to win their divisions. Instead, it's two teams that are four and 10 and struggling to not be last place in their divisions. I could care less about this game. Baker Mayfield, I think he's going to get shredded by the Broncos defense. I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball whatsoever on the Broncos. Only thing this, that this game is good for, in my opinion, is just locking up the Broncos here, especially with Russell Wilson maybe coming back. I think that the Rams are just way too banged up to even make a dent. I wouldn't even take the, the Broncos money line or uh, minus, 20, minus 2.5 here. I just take them at the money line and kind of chalk it up to a lock as the lock right there. And then finally, the last Christmas game that we have is the night slate, and it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to play the Arizona Cardinals. This game, once again, not too much for me here. Cardinals are already eliminated. Buccaneers are playing for their division, and they're favored by 7.5 against a pitiful Arizona Cardinals team. So, yeah, in my opinion, I would 100% take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. I think that they're still fighting for their division after coming off of some pretty embarrassing games, getting obviously crushed by uh, Brock Purdy the other week and just really not playing too well in general. I I mean, they, they, they just choked one to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that they're kind of in line for a little bit of a comeback here to at least get a win, get back in the win column. So I'll take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win. Now, I know that there is a Monday night game, December 26th, but I'm planning to be able to record Monday a little bit of my reaction and then also get into that Monday night game then. So I'm going to save it and hold off to then. So just kind of going back over things, uh, for, for I guess my locks of the week, just looking at the slate this time, I know that I was telling you guys just about kind of how I structure uh, a lot of my bets and stuff. For my locks of the week, I let I just make it across the entire day, the entire slate, dependent upon who I think is going to win and kind of let it play by there. So my locks of the week games that I am just uber convinced will go this way is and for this. I only take the money lines as well, just to make sure that it's just take picking the team to win outright. And it's really nice to get some cash. I will take the Buffalo bills to beat the bears. That is a lock of mine. I'll take the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Patriots. That's a lock of mine. I will take the chiefs to beat the Seahawks. Another lock of mine. And then we kind of go on a little bit of a, re of a rest until we get to the 49ers, lock of mine to beat the Commanders, and then Miami Dolphins, like I said, 
Uh, actually, I'm, I'm struggling a little, a little bit to lock them up, but I'll take the Buccaneers. I'll lock them up to beat the Cardinals. And honestly, as we're sitting right there, if we lock up all those five and only put $5 on it, the payout's 20 bucks at 309 So we'll be making back all of our money kind of right away, if that makes any sense there. So we only put put $15 down to bet this week. So that's two of them. And then, then obviously like they'll go out and be some sort of kind of Hail Mary bet, uh, like I was talking about with the money lines at least, which if if you guys want, I'll probably put something like that on the Extra Points Podcast Instagram page for you guys to go check out there. But that's all that I do have, I guess, content-wise for the previews of all these games. So like I always say, you guys, make sure to go. I'm expanding to a bunch of different social media platforms. Uh, I went over to TikTok at Extra Points NFL underscore podcast. And man, it, it's been a pretty quick success. I mean, it just started the other uh, yesterday and we've already got a ton, a ton of people watching it and some people on there. So go ahead and find me on there. And then also on Instagram, if that's more your speed, go to at Extra Points Podcast and you can find me there as well. And then you can also find the podcast wherever you guys listen, Google Play, Apple Music, Spotify, Anchor, everything like that, Extra Points Podcast. Hope you guys have a great weekend, a great holiday weekend as well. Spend time with your family, guys. For those of you trapped in the weather, all my locals, be safe. Really, really, really do appreciate your guys' support and all of that. Hopefully, we're going to touch base with you guys Monday. Stay tuned on the Instagram page and all that stuff. Follow me for all the updates or anything like that. Happy betting. Hope your favorite team does well, and have a good one, guys. Peace.